Jason, as it is every week, Lee Summit Town Hall is brought to the people by our good friends at Budget Blinds of Lee Summit. Budget Blinds! How can you not like those people? They are, as they say, they're good eggs. They are. They're good eggs, good people. Jason, coming up is a really cool event at Budget Blinds of Lee Summit. It is pillows and pinot. You get an opportunity to design your own fabric for custom pillows, drapery, Roman shades. You can bring in whatever you want, work with their fancy digital fabric tool, which, by the way, it is pretty fancy. I didn't even know it existed until not that long ago that there were digital fabric tools that you can make your own custom fabric. So you buy a pillow, you pay $50 for the guest, you get the pillow and wine and snacks and all kinds of good stuff. You can bring in like I color swatches or other fabrics or things for matching ideas and just go crazy and make yourself a cool so pillow. it's like it's like a wine party and you get something cool for your house when you're done that is the way it works awesome can i can i tell you a little secret what's that i i was talking to the good folks at budget blinds of lee summit earlier mm-hmm. i think the wife and i we might get a little uh, sneak peek at the fancy digital about making some pillow fabric so you're going to get that before the event which I, by the way it's may 24th 6 p.m I might get a I might get a sneak peek. That is very cool. See, these are the advantages of being a big time media guy like you. That's true. And if you want to join in the Pillows and Pino event, check out the Facebook page for Budget Blinds of Lee Summit. They've got an event page there. Or you can click on their ad on leaktoleesummit.com and buy your tickets right there. Go see our friends, Budget Blinds of Lee Summit. Tell them Nick and Jason sent you. Hello again, and welcome to Lee Summit Town Hall, a weekly podcast about what you can do to make a difference. I'm Jason Norbury, and as always, I am joined by a man who's not mad, he's just disappointed. It's Nick Parker, publisher of Link to Lee Summit. I gotta tell you, Jason, my disappointment level this week, very high. Very so, high. I, I'm, I'm, we're gonna get into it, but I just gotta tell you, it's high. Do you Have you have you pulled that card with the kid yet? That's what I want to know. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Look, look there's no better disciplining technique than the i'm disappointed in you really really disappointed in you so all right well link to lee summit is the source for all the news you need about this very fine city and our unofficial sponsor today was a brief glimpse of the sun it's all we're gonna get for a bit so you better enjoy it because that was it like we had rain like what for like a day and a half or something and then yeah, there's just too much too much rain going on. It's too much rain, too much gray. I really like sunshine, and we got a little bit at the end of the day here. Of course, now we're recording, and it's dark, so the sun is gone. But I, I feel like I had like just that little remnant of sun, and that's I'm, it's going to have to tide me for a few days, apparently, according to the weather. Look, I, I used to work with somebody, and he always said, it should only rain when I'm sleeping. <laughs> and I got to tell you, he's not wrong. Can't say that. Can't say he's wrong. Jason, let's get into the show. Big oh, wait. Oh, wait. But first, we're not going to. I love to, to tease you a little bit. What'd you do? To, why you do this to me? Well, you know. Hey, here's big news. We're going live again. It's the big reveal. It's the big reveal. Lisa but Town Hall is going to go Facebook Live one more time. Well, not one more time. Just the next time. 3 p.m. Tuesday, June 4th. Jason will be joined by Link to Lee Summit guest columnist John Bedoin. And much like the last time... We'll, we're going to sit around. We're going to talk about the current local issues. We'll respond to some listener questions. We're going to just we're going to we're going to have it out, and I think it's going to be really good because the three of us 
on some of the issues going on right now what, come are you, from different wait, perspectives. Are you telling me there's issues to talk about right there now? There are issues <laughs> to talk about. We're going we're gonna to start tonight. Yes, we Let are. me tell you. But 3 o'clock, Tuesday, June 4th, Lisa McTown Hall is going live again on Facebook. If you have questions or discussion topics you'd like the three of us to hit, Go to our Facebook page, Link to Lee Summit. Go to our Twitter account, which is at LS Town Hall, or email me, Nick, at LinkToLeeSummit.com. And, and just as importantly, if you are in, in the area mood for, say, product placement, if you have some sort of branded material you'd like to pay Jason to hold up in the middle of the uh, Facebook Live just to make sure you get a little airtime, let us know. We'll get that. Hmm. I'm not sure if I approve of this. I'm trying to make some money at some point during Listen, the first two plus years I, of this thing. I buy you wings every once in a while. I know. I get wings and an occasional cerveza, so I can't complain too much. I don't know what more you could ask for. Jason, give us some other big news that people may have just read about. There is a brand new and shiny uh, store in downtown Lee Summit. It's called Arcade Alley. It is what it says it is. It's an arcade that is open in downtown Lee Summit. Those it's of also us, a bar. It's a bar. And those of us who grew up in what I will call the golden age of the console game, right, in the, in the arcade, there are, there are many, many stories of uh, misbehavior and behavior of me in the, the arcade at Metcalf South Mall um, over the years, back, way back in the day. Uh, you, I think you and I are like, I know we haven't had a chance to go yet. I am raring to get in there and, and try that out. I, I, I'm excited. But I'll tell you, Missouri side, so for me. Arcade at Blue Ridge Mall. Uh, there, no, there we go. Hey, one more big announcement. Downtown Days is coming. It is. Our, June our, 7th, 8th, and 9th. Our very favorite downtown oh, uh, downtown wide street festival, Downtown Days. It's a great time. Make sure you come out. Make time to come out the 7th or the 8th or the 9th. And if you want to see us, and you know, John Bedoin's going to be joining too, we've got the special Lee Summit Town Hall Beer Shift We'll be slinging beers from 2.15 to 5.15 on Friday the 7th. I, I, would, see us. I would know further, we will not be putting that on Facebook Live uh, no, that's, for that's, the benefit that's, of that's, ourselves that, and perhaps everyone else. That's a bad idea. All right, Jason, here we go. If we had music, we'd cue it. It's time for the soap opera. As the council turns. Nope, not that one. No, that is not the soap that opera we're going to talk about tonight. That is not the one we're doing. Jason, look, there's... There's one topic. There is one topic that everybody's been talking about since last week, and that is the Lee Summit R7 School District's Board of Education. It is. Uh, so let's just do a little bit of a, a historical uh, look. So back earlier in the year, after I think some stuttering stops and starts, the uh, school board, uh, that, as it consisted at the time, unanimously passed uh, an equity plan. To put forth, and one of the first steps in the equity plan was to hire a consultant to come in and help with that work. Uh, in late March, they put out, or in March, they put out an RFP. Um, had a number of respondents went through uh, basically a multi-tiered scoring system with interviews, um, and that committee of people was I think it was eleven or twelve people put together uh, from administrators, district and building leaders, teachers, all that kind of stuff. They, they made a recommendation uh, for educational equity consultants, and that group came to the board on Thursday to, uh, to well, give their presentation and with a recommendation from staff that the board approve a one-year contract with potential options for further years. And Nick, how did it go? Well, it was denied. 
the the recommendation was voted down. I'm going to go real quick because I think on these it's it's important that we note how each each board member, each elected official boarded. I'm going to go go real quick through those. Dennis Smith voted yes. Jackie Clark voted yes. Kim Fritchie was a no. Ryan Murdoch voted yes. Mike Allen voted no, as did Judy Hedrick and board president Julie Doan. Now, Jason, we're gonna we're gonna dig into next kind of the discussion and the things around this vote. But first, before we do that, I want to make a note because there has been some some controversy and a lot of public discussion and, and after what happened, and we're gonna dig into it enough so that there was an apology sent out by the board of board president Julie Doan, which we will also get which into. we will also get to, and. We're going to have, we just received notice today, this evening, public notice that there's going to be a public meeting, a Board of Education work session tonight. Wednesday the 22nd. Wednesday the 22nd, 4.30 at the boardroom. So that's coming, and and uh, that's an interesting thing. So they, they'll be talking about the equity plan and working together, I believe, were the official phrases that they used. Right. Um, there's going to be a lot of subtext in there, but we'll we'll get into that as it, it comes up through. But just so you know, so that's, that's the whole sort of procedural shebang up through 9 o'clock-ish on Tuesday night. As we start things out, I, I want to kind of – I'm going to kind of try to walk us through this in, in some sort of, Jason, some sort of understandable structure. <laughs> <laughs> Power to you, buddy. Power to you. I, I know. I'm, I'm really going to stretch my skill set here. I want to talk about, Jason, let's talk about first the arguments against approving this this group, EEC. Uh, let's, let's go through those first. Okay. So um, I think I, I don't think we would be unfair to saying that a, a lot of the some of the arguments that were put forth by the board members, I think specifically the three non-chair no votes, but I, I would bet that um, Julie Doan, you know, would have echoed many of these same sentiments, um, were relatively, co- I would say, coordinated. And, that, and that's not an implication that any Sunshine Law rules were violated or anything of that. I just think that this has been an ongoing conversation, and many of these arguments are arguments that you hear in the public discourse That's not something it. that's... that's- out of the blue, though. I mean, this is no. This is what happens with elected bodies, right? No, absolutely. So just to, just to be clear, so we're we're not going to, in every circumstance, uh, isolate specific arguments with specific uh, board members. There are a few statements that I think will will highlight um, for for conversation about that. So the first one, I think, and the one that um, was was brought up, I think, at first in there is that there was criticism or attempting to almost gotcha the consultant um, who was there about whether or not there was a data-driven like causal link that you could definitively draw between the work that was being proposed in the RFP response and improvement of test scores. So that was the first argument, and and which I think is something we all try try to do, right? As as we go through these things, we all want some kind of proof that something is needed and proof that a solution will get it done, right? And I think people have fixated on the last set of uh, testing scores where they showed those. Uh, the gap, the achievement gap, right? And when people are, I think, throwing that phrase around, what they're generally referring to is the difference in performance on these particular standardized tests that we have to take um, at the from the state level. 
So I, I would say this is like which 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 I think we should note. Almost everyone, actually everyone, has agreed there is a gap. Right. There is an achievement gap. They talked about several different types of gaps during this meeting, but mainly we're talking about the achievement gap. And and even when, when we interviewed candidates for school board, they all said, yes, there is a gap that we have to fill. Right. And so close is probably the better but, word. But I would I would say that setting the bar at you have to demonstrate in advance that this work will have a documentable improvement in those particular test scores is a bar so high that you can't get over it. Um, no, there is no equity consultant, no equity work that could come in, I think, and, and in any sense of honesty, say that, yeah, what we do will improve scores by X percent or X number of points or, or whatever the case may be. And, are and are you trying to tr- to trigger the 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 spouse of a teacher who who always questions the the standardized test scores and how we use them? Right. Well, I mean, I, that's not even to go there. I think that the test scores are one of many measures that we can use to help identify where we can make improvements in in what we're doing. It shouldn't be taken. I think the consultant said this best: is you can't look at the the test scores and equate that to the worth of the student or the success of the student, but we, we certainly can use it as a measure in, in our broad range when we're trying to talk about you know, overall performance, preparation for life after school, student well-being, whatever we're going to be dealing with. There, are, there is a, a huge number of measures, as the, the consultant and uh, Ryan Murdoch said, that we're, we're looking at and we're trying to address on a broad range of things. And this particular RFP was more specifically aimed at staff training to give the staff tools to reduce barriers to opportunity. One of the other arguments, Jason, that we heard, and, and this came more toward the end, was, hey, this is stuff we're already working on. We can continue to do it in-house. We don't need to hire the consultant to come in and, and do this do this other stuff that maybe it's not worth spending the $97,000. I have a, a little bit of an issue with that because that was part of the plan that just two months ago was approved unanimously by the board. And yeah, the board has changed. This is a new board after the election, but really only two seats changed. Right. And I mean, and, and two of those seats were very obviously very instrumental in the change in the vote outcome uh, that we have. I think, you know, uh, and, and I'll go back to this. And we've, we've had this conversation a number of times. We had it with people we've interviewed. We, we, con- we had this conversation with a lot of the school board candidates that we talked to before the election. Nobody is really making the argument. And I'm, there's probably someone out there that's actually making this argument. But realistically, in terms of weight in the, co- in the community conversations that are going on, no one's making the argument that the district or teachers or the people as a whole are motivated by racial animus, right? Nobody is a uh, white hood wearing, you know, racist in that in that way. Well, and we're going to get more into that because I think that that's at the crux of a lot of the, right. the issues that we're but, having. But I, I don't want to go there quite okay, yet. So, but my point being is that there were, nobody's making that argument. What we've been talking about, what everybody's talking about is this systemic or what they call inherent bias, right? This, there's stuff floating around in the air. And so to say, and this is where I wanted to get in, is to say that stuff that, because that the concept is, is that it's basically it's like the air we breathe and we just don't notice it 
that it's out there, right? So the systemic stuff is happening around us and we don't notice it's out there. To say that we can handle that, identify it, address it, and function with it in-house, I think is is a farcical notion. Is that is it's like I, I don't even have a good analogy for it, but the the concept that we can we can achieve that um, is, you know, people get so frustrated by that. I mean, they get they get so worried about the the racist part of it that they don't even want to touch touch the argument as a whole. But the concept that we can handle that inside, I think, is is just factually incorrect that we you need an outside voice you need somebody to come in and help facilitate a conversation about those subjects in a way that is productive whereas i think you tend to miss your own i mean there literally are blind spots whatever they may be there are blind spots and we are blind to them and it's helpful to have someone in from the outside to help us identify those there's a part of me still that that i wonder if as as residents, as voters, as, as as parents who have children in the school district, is there something? Is there extra questioning that should come from from us at the fact that that this is something you just as a board unanimously voted to do, and then when it gets to doing it, it seems so contentious again that it it is this something that voters and and residents and taxpayers should be concerned about that when it comes to actually taking that step toward the thing that was said they were going to do, it doesn't happen. Well, remember, I mean, it's been contentious just to get to the unanimous vote, which is, I think, you know, maybe it was surprising that the the equity plan passed 7-0, but um, it was contentious just to get to the fact to, to get one in the first place, right? You remember last that's, fall. That's, that's very true. When the superintendent proposed bringing in a particular PEG, I think is the acronym for that group, to come in and do a relatively small piece, there was such an uproar that it set back any work to be done for months while this plan was put together. Then the plan was put together, it was presented, it got the 7-0 vote. And then, but you're correct. I think as soon as we're going to actually put you know rubber to the road or do something about it, we get all this blowback and we get a no vote. I want to go back. You just you, your answer, your response to that that question about how talking about how it's it's been contentious kind of every step of the way since really since Dr. Carpenter was brought on and this is now his second school year at the helm of the district. Um, one of the things that we've 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 heard a lot, Jason. We've 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 heard Dr. Carpenter talk about it. We've heard some of the other people that we've interviewed talk about this, and that's the. When we talk about equity, are we talking about a zero-sum game? And that came up again in one of the board members' responses and questions. Oh, Kim Fritchie, you, you stomped on your own self. So she made the argument that when she started with this, it's not a zero-sum game, that we, are, we can do all this work and we can kind of grow the pie. And then her, her comment was her financial argument about not whether or not to spend this $97,000 was we have crowded schools. Uh, we have parents who are calling in, and her implication, if not her explicit statement, was that we can't fix our school crowding problem if we also hire this. And so that was a very much a zero-sum conclusion on the back of this statement that it's not a zero-sum game. Um, and, and that's, you know, I mean, she kind of disproved herself in, in that particular argument. Um, and I think that that's, but there's, and that's a feeling that kind of, I think bubbles around and it's hard to elaborate or, 
enunciate, to put out in, in where, where you feel like if we're going to do this work to bring up certain groups, of, you know, not every, you know, subgroups of people, are we taking away from other people? And, and everybody doesn't, nobody wants that to be the case. Um, you know, how resources are allocated is something that's out there. But to, to claim that it's not a zero sum game and then make a, essentially what is a zero sum argument is, is a little bit, um, is, is a little bit facetious in my book. Well, that is actually now going to, to set up really what I think is going to be the theme of the conversation for us the rest of the way through, Jason. And that is how our leaders are talking about this, right? So you just talked about how, how board member Fritchie said one thing and then kind of contradicted herself with the rest of her, her, her statement. When we started this, this conversation on our, on our show, Jason, we talked a lot about how some of the arguments against equity and, and the pushback that Dr. Carpenter and his team that he's been assembling have really kind of been distractions, that they are things to avoid a certain topic, and that certain topic is race. Here we are, though, now. Last week, we're there, in that meeting, ready to follow a plan that they had voted to approve, and four people on the board, to me, this is this is me, to me showed exactly why we as a community really need to confront this conversation. If only, if only so that we can be set a better example and be better leaders for our children. I think you're right. And I, I mean, let's... Well, look, I'm going to get into this and, and I'm going to take a lot of these votes to task um, and, because I think that we're out there. And I think many of the, especially the no votes, um, and, and you know, I mean, I, I don't think that they were an effective demonstration of good leadership that we need to have, right? The fact that we are having this conversation, the fact that this board meeting is now making national news gives us an indication that we really do need this kind of conversation and training to, to move forward to deal with these subjects. So we have or, or or even I mean training yes and that's that's ultimately the crux of what we're talking about for, right. for is training for the district but even I would I would go as far as say even just to give ourselves permission to talk about it right it's an act of courage right nobody feels look there are you know seven white folk up there on that dais as members of the school board none of them are you know probably, or at least if not initially, maybe some of them are at this point comfortable in engaging in this kind of a conversation. It's, it's, it's a difficult conversation. The, I'm not comfortable engaging in this conversation. Right, I, mean, I mean, you and I talked for a couple hours before we started recording this. I'm uncomfortable doing it. And I'm more comfortable now than I was in the past, but that's because I had the opportunity to have some of these conversations a long time ago, uh, which doesn't make me special, but it does, you know, it does get, you know, to... To quote the process, it does get better. So, you know, look, I'll, I'll start with this, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Mike Allen to task on this particular moment. He, at one point in there, said that something, I don't have the exact quote, but it, says, it may look like it's is racial, but it's not racial. Well, one, that is an incredibly facile statement to make. And the audacity of, uh, you know, some white dude sitting up there telling the community at large that he 
basically he alone is the arbiter of what is and what is not racially talk racial topics is pretty staggering and and the you know that's very patronizing from the board to have someone say well this this really isn't about race when i think a lot of people very much feel it is and you should have the courage to engage in that kind of a conversation I, I think this what you just said there actually gets to to, to me the the crux of this as a as a community wide conversation because uh, look the the split school board aren't the only ones that are having this around Lee Summit right there have been and you and I have been reaching out to 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 try to talk to more of them but there are different groups around the community that are meeting and trying to talk about this and 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 the hardest part for me is is that it seems like. We are unwilling to to validate another person's perspective, and some of the things that Mike said m- made me feel like he was invalidating those who said they think it is about race, and those that feel that they that that they have had problems because of some bias somewhere in the system. Right, and what I would say is, and, and this will lead me into the conversation. I think because I think Judy Hedrick falls into the same thing. Is that well, it, and, and that's just that's just not being a good leader, right? Because the, a leader is not going to should not be up there if their vision of leadership for the school district is that they sit up on the dais and they tell us the citizens of the district what is and what isn't. That's not leadership. That's that's either preaching or you know something else. It's not it's not leadership brings people with them. It does not shut people off from the process. And I think that you know Judy Hendrick got up there and and her converse comments on this whole process were essentially they didn't add anything to this conversation. They she consistently in her questions and i'm going to use them put the air quotes around that word of the consultant we're we're, we're, on, we're on video now you can actually do the yeah, air quotes i can do thing. the air quotes um you know consistently about how much research she's done we didn't learn what the results of any of that research was we didn't get any site or sources but we we did you know she she told us repeatedly how much research she done, how much knowledge she had about this whole process. And then she, without any really further explanation, voted no. And and that's not leadership either. That's just telling you, I'm smarter than you, or I know more than you, and so therefore I am correct. And and once again, that did not engage the community, does not further the conversation at all. It just it just cuts it off. Which which essentially the the whole point of those discussions from the dais are to put things on the record for public consumption. So that is the the absolute place where if you are an elected official in that position of leadership, you should be you should be saying those things. You should be talking about the research you've done and the things you've read. Right. And and using that to ask a question of at that for this instance, a question of the consultant which which I'm not sure she really ever got to actual questions. Right. And I would say this is like, you know, taking going back to this whole like the causal link or how is this going to impact us on a data level? Where can we what can we measure at the end of the day? I think is a valid question. But a lot of this stuff is is really squishy from a from a data standpoint. It's very difficult to suss out some of that stuff. Well, semantics doesn't always lead to to numbers. Right. And so and I think that that's a valid it's a valid question to ask. It's a valid criticism to have. I don't know that there is a group that can do that. That is and I'm going to say this, I don't know. 
um, this information. I don't have that research or data. Well, I would posit that that would have been the thing to ask. Is there something out there? And even even if the look, the consultant's probably not going to answer that. Right. But to even put that out, so that it is on the public record. And if you and if you are asking that question and you found data out there, then you should that put speaks that, one or the other. That should be on the public record. You should put if you've got data that says it doesn't work or you have data that says other techniques are far more effective, then that data darn well better be in the public discourse and, so that we can have that. And, and as as a resident, a taxpayer, a voter, that's what I want to know, and that's what I deserve to know, is that is that if you, the elected official, have found data that says otherwise, one way or the other, supportive or not, mm-hmm. that should be on there. And, and so I think that, and, and we're going we're gonna to save the board chair uh, for a special segment coming up here um, in a minute. But um, I think that what the net sum of what the board conversation was that night was to essentially stunt this conversation. Well, and, and, and that's kind of what, what I want to get into because I think, you know, I said earlier, I, I had mentioned when we had interviewed the candidates. So we, we, we did have conversations with, with Mike Allen and Judy Hedrick here. And, and they did sit at the chair here in our studio and they said they both talked about the achievement gap, and that the numbers and the data show that there was a gap and we needed to do something about it. And I think my frustration is that now here we are at the point of doing something, right? Mm -hmm. At that point, they seemed very adamant about doing anything but that. Right. And, And I think that, you know, some of their contentions were, you know, we're already doing enough, which is... Not quite what they said when they were running for office. Um, and if they were already doing enough, then why are the test scores where they are, right? Why are this this measure that they have? So I, I just think, but I think that the, the tone they took, the, the words that they used, and I'm looking very specifically at Julie Doan there, and and the way that a lot of these things were approached were, were done in a way to sort of shut down the conversation to say, we don't want to have this conversation. We don't want to do this work. And, and go forth. Narrative. This is a word we've heard a lot. If you, if, you, if you go down the rabbit hole of Facebook commenting and conversations, and actually you've, you've, you've read it on Link to Lee Summit, guest columnist John Bedoin has talked about this a lot. Narrative. And the narrative about our community, about our school district. And the fact that our leaders, the ones that have been elected and the superintendent who is hired by that elected body one of basically their two main jobs right Mm -hmm. is hiring the superintendent and they have a role in driving the narrative about our community and about specifically this school district and it seems to me that a lot of this conversation is really about image about how are we as a community being perceived and even in our interviews here with the candidates, it, it was interesting to me. We keep hearing about this article that was in the Kansas City Star. One article. In September. In September that questioned if whether there was racism in our school district and said that there were people who felt there were. That, 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 that there were racist parts of our system in our school district and they had felt bias. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say this and 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 I feel a little guilty. I'm a media guy and I'm gonna talk bad about another media 
source. All right. I'm all, I'm here for this. The, the Kansas City Star owns the Lee Summit Journal. They own and manage the journal. I was I was an editor at the journal when that happened, and I think it was 2001. So it's your fault? It's, it's all my fault. All right. I, I, I kill newspapers. We have cleared this up now. It's all Nick's fault. It's all Nick's fault. The Lee Summit Journal no longer has a physical presence in the city of Lee Summit. They sold the building. There's no one here. That circulation last I knew was under 2,000. And a lot of these people that keep bringing up that one-star article, if you would talk to them in the street, they'll tell you they don't read the star. Because they don't read the big city paper. And they don't read the journal anymore. And I'm going to say that because in a town of almost 100,000, when your circulation is under 2,000, you're not reaching a lot of people. Our podcast circulation may actually be larger than that. Our podcast circulation is definitely significantly larger than that. If that is the case, why are we giving so much power to that one story? And even if their reach were bigger, even if the numbers were bigger, why would leaders of the school district, leaders of our community, why would they give the power to someone else instead of driving the narrative? This is, Jason, this is about fear of an image and that's not leadership and that's not driving a narrative absolutely i was gonna just i was gonna follow in and say i think that the the problem is is that the people are paranoid of getting the label they don't nobody wants to i don't want to be called racist nobody wants to be called racist but they are letting that fear i would posit that 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 story didn't call anyone a racist but Right. That being that being that being said, that's not what this is really about. Then we get we can get into semantic arguments about subjective experience and and you know relating to other people's things and whatever, and, and we get all that. But essentially, uh, one of the things that happens in these conversations, and we have seen it over and over and over again, is that as soon as someone perceives that you are calling them racist, even if you're not, that 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 tends to end the conversation, and that is not healthy. But it's these are the leaders who are in the front of this conversation and they could make it go a different way. But instead we're choosing to kind of recycle the same garbage over and over again. Right. There's that, there's that, that line in the sand, that, that unwillingness or inability to give validation to another's perspective. But I, I, we're going to, we're going to circle back. I'm going to put a pin in this again because I want to continue to talk about leadership a little bit. There has also been criticism publicly, Jason, about Dr. Carpenter, Dr. Carpenter at the end of that vote, and again, at the end of the meeting, basically called out the school board and said, if I'm not the leader you want, if you don't trust me to do this thing that you hired me to do. And by the way, just gave a contract extension to like a month ago. And yeah, who just extended his contract for a year. If you don't trust me to be your leader, buy me out. Buy out the rest of my contract, which, by the way, there is a clause. He referenced it in his contract that says if they want to move on, they can buy him out, and he's gone. They just did that a few years ago. He called them out and said, if you don't like it, buy me out. I'll be gone. Jason, I'm not sure. that was. Look, I understand that he has every right to, to do that. It's a thing in his contract. Was that the right place for him to do let me let me step off of, back away from that question and maybe I can come back get to the answer from there. 
Don't avoid my questions. I'm not. I'm your the questions. attorney putting you on the stand. I am. Uh, I'm going to question. I'm going to question the, the the veracity of your question. Um, so what I, I think you have to think about this in terms of this is a essentially it's a very very large nonprofit organization and they have a board and they have an executive officer the, the in this case the superintendent of schools and the relationship between the board and the executive or the board and the superintendent in this case is is something that's really really important to the overall health and function of that we we saw that 3 years ago we watched the relationship between Dr. McGahey and the then the school board as it then existed deteriorate all the bad stuff it ended up getting aired out on Facebook and and all the things of that and and it was bad and it did not help the function of the school district now we have a a fantastic set of administrative uh, administration we've got good building leaders we've got good teachers the work of teaching the kids from day to day goes on. I don't think is is all that directly or at least instantly impacted by these relationships being strained. But at the point at which they are so far out of sync that the work is different, it becomes incumbent, I think, on the board to call for a change in leadership. We, we get to choose the members of the board and the board gets to make that decision. And so the question then becomes... Can they get back in sync? And I don't think there's any argument that they're out of sync, right? I mean, equity is literally in Dr. Carpenter's Twitter handle. It's the word that he has said more than any other word in public since he became the superintendent of this district. Well, and that, and, and that's that's going to lead me in, in, into my, my next questions for, for you. Um, yeah, it's his Twitter handle has – it's equity souped. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's it. He was brought here – because that's on his resume. Equity plan for the district, all of this research and all of the talk about it isn't new. That was on the table when they were searching for a new superintendent. This is why they brought him in. Mm-hmm. This is what he's talked about. He has a role just like those elected officials have a role. He has a role to drive the narrative around the school district and in, in this community around the school district. Has he done a good job of that because he, you know, he he talks about it all the time. He pushes it. Has he done the right things about driving that narrative about including the community in on the conversation? Is he driving the narrative? I think he's tried to. Um, and this, I mean, there is the potential for the okay. okay. Not is he? Is he doing it effectively? Well, and that's the question. And and I guess the the, the answer to that is. To me is the question is, you know, I would say right now, no, because clearly public opinion is split um, on, on this subject. So he certainly has not gotten consensus. Um, I think generally speaking, there is a, a strong vein of support for the work that he is encouraging the district to do. Uh, but there's also a strong vein of resistance. I would say this is I to get back to actually answer your first question was is I think uh, the way he went about it at the meeting is a matter of style and that might differ on a personal level from you to me. Um, but you know there are there are consequences to not doing this equity plan, right? And and I think one of the things that the board is not a you know the consequences are a bear. Right. I mean, people don't like them. People don't want to avoid them. People want to do things that don't have consequence. They want to get away with stuff that they maybe shouldn't get away with with no consequence. 
I don't know what the four members who voted against the equity plan thought the fallout from this would be, whether they wanted uh, the, the superintendent to resign on the spot, whether they thought that if they just said no, it would just stop and nothing else would happen. I think we have some, at least a first step in the answer that they are having this meeting on Wednesday to have the beginnings of that conversation of what do we do now? Well, let's, 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 <laughs> let's not make light of that at all. While, while those things happen in closed session, not, mm-hmm. not, not in, in, in open meetings. And I think maybe that's a little why I was struck by him saying it there in the, out in the open. But, there, the meeting. I will, but, but, but I want to say, yes, those things happen in closed session, but let's not be naive a lot of what they talk about in this work session tonight is going to be setting the stage for what what moves are they going to make when they do go to closed session. Right. And I would say, I think, I mean, so um, in a way, the, the superintendent was pointing out, what are the follow what's the consequences of this? And he, he made that statement, right, that we don't want to do the talk about the reorg, the administrative reorganization. Um, that's a $300,000 impact on the district that they have halted conversation on. Because of this disconnection, if they're going to buy them out, that's a half a million dollar consequence, right? These are big. I mean, if you know, if we want to talk about zero sum and dollars, right? How many classrooms do we get to buy with five hundred thousand dollars of money that we have to pay to an extra superintendent? When I think we just finished paying the extra money, you know, not that long ago, finished paying extra money to the last superintendent that we that we chased off, rightly or wrongly. Um, and so I think that that's something that's out there. Now, like I said, I think we can have argumentation about style, but I think that that's putting those consequences out there in the public, right? I mean, is this a thing that people feel so strongly about that they're willing to, you know, back a half a million dollar check to get rid of the guy? That's a question. And then if not, then if you're not willing to do that, then okay, what are we going to do now? How are we going to make this work? How are we going to realign to go forward? And hopefully they can start on some of that work at the Wednesday meeting at this work session um, to, to do that. Well, and that leads me to another thing that will likely be covered in, the, in this work session. If, if, if you have children in the school district or if you've signed up for their newsletter, you saw, like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pause. This next section of our conversation, Jason, is a little hard for me. Because we're going to talk about Board President Julie Doan. I am not going to make it easier either. And we're going to talk about some things that she said that were wrong. A, you cannot sit on that dais, especially in the center of the dais, and say the things that she said. They are categorically unacceptable words to ever come out from a public leader. The, but this is, and I'm going to tell you why this is hard for me. I have known Julie Doan for 20 some years. I consider her a friend. Uh, her father was an employer of mine. I've had her on the show to talk about her dad. They're special people to me. And I and I like to think of her as a good person, a good heart. And so I am we, – we made the joke about disappointment early at the open of this show. I am disappointed. And so this is a hard part for me. Julie Doan – Followed up a conversation where she says, I don't like privilege with a line about talking about affirmative action. And she says, if they're looking for a Spanish, sorry, buddy, you didn't get the job. And then later, 
in another discussion about privilege, the consultant that they were that they were talking to asked her about used an analogy of, about as a white person never having to worry and be anxious about the cop behind them when they were in the car. And she responded with, "Oh, honey, I do. I'm blonde." And this is those not- are to put it very lightly insensitive for other ones. And I'm going to keep coming back to this because it's about being willing to understand and validate another person's perspective. All right. So I'm going to go, uh, I am not disappointed. I'm mad. Those comments are, and I said it before and I'm going to say it again, categorically unacceptable from a person in a public leadership position. Those words should never, ever emanate from the mouth of a person in public like that at all, let alone a person who has been held in elective office and sits up in a leadership position for a public body. It is awful. To equate for even one second, 400 years of slavery, segregation, and racism with the freaking color of your hair is, to being the butt of a blonde joke, is, is offensive to me, it should be offensive to virtually every person of color that's out there. To equate those experiences is just obnoxious. It minimizes the issues surrounding race that we have struggled with as a country for the entirety of its existence. It does not take a news hound. It does not take someone who compulsively watches news events to notice that there's an increase in racial-oriented violence in this country. Um, and other bigoted, bigotry-related violence in the United States and around the world. And passing it off as a blonde joke is not okay. It is not okay. And I will say this. She apologized, but it wasn't a good apology. No, no. And that 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 is more of my disappointment. It was buried in the middle of her from the dais, which is a, a post-meeting report that she does. She's instituted this after she took took the helm as president of the board. It was buried in the middle. And Jason, the words weren't enough. No. They weren't right, and they weren't enough. And to me, the things she said, adding on the... Almost, I'm going to call this the obligatory apology. That's what it felt like to me. I'm giving the apology because I've been told I need to. Right. And I want to say it's it's not enough. And to me, it is an example of why we need to have this conversation as a community, why we need to confront these things, and why it is a good idea, whoever it is, to bring someone in and help us have this conversation. That right there was the example. To me, that's what told us we need this. Right. Look, let's start with that. The apology is insufficient, right? She didn't say why she said or why what she said was wrong. She said it was insensitive. And and I'm going to be very clear here. And I'm going to I'm going to go where perhaps will make people the most uncomfortable. Those were not insensitive words. Those were racist words. Julie Doan may or may not harbor racial animus in her heart. And I do not believe that that is the case. We have talked to her. She seems to be a fine and lovely human beings, but those words were racist and she should acknowledge them that they were why that's hurtful. And then she should acknowledge what she is going to do in the future to do better. Is she going to take racial sensitivity training? Is she going to do them? So to me, 
there are two options on the table for Julie Doan. She can come out on Wednesday in the public meeting and give us a full breakdown that shows she understands the hurt that her slight that her racist words caused people in this community and what she's going to do and then flip her vote on the thing or she can resign she has crossed the line and honestly resignation she should probably flip her vote vote in favor of it and then resign but she the words that she used the that that awful step were as you put it they just there is it's a absolute demonstration of the absolute need the need that this community has to be able to have these conversations because we shouldn't have to have the conversation about you know passing off you know the experience of bias that people have in this community as a blonde joke and i don't think there's a middle ground to be had here i i think this is a good example too I, I, this is another example too i think of why this is so hard for us if anyone else had sat in the chair that Julie sits in and said those things, I would probably jump just as quickly as you did to your opinion that she ha- she needs to resign. But the, one of the problems with this conversation is that it is so easy for, uh, for us to get personal. And I hesitate on my reaction to go where you went because I know her, because she's a friend. And that goes back to at the very beginning of this conversation, we said it's hard for us to talk about race because none of us want to be called a racist. It's personal. And somehow we've got to figure out how to talk about these things where we're just, where it is okay to talk about a system. It is okay to talk about inherent biases. It is okay to talk about unconscious biases that we, some of us have, probably all of us have. Okay, can we just take out the probably? We all have them. Without feeling that it's a personal attack. And the things she said are the things you say when you feel personally attacked. And that's what keeps us from having these conversations. Right. And, and and to be clear, Nick, if you had said those things on a dais like that, I would be right here calling for you to resign on the spot. I just don't think I, I understand your your reticent and and your I fully would expect you to say that of me. And that's that's where I mean I've even and you and I have talked about this because it's been several days. Mm-hmm. You and I have talked about this. We let up and, and and really tried to to figure out how we wanted to talk about it today. I've struggled with this because I am offended by what my friend said. But I don't know what to do next right and 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 to me this is this is the opportunity and and, and when i started the the my initial reaction when i heard and, and saw the words that were said was she has to go um and i didn't have any spot in there for that but i i talking about it and, and dealing with it this is an opportunity these, these are educators right i mean this is an educational organization that we're dealing with this goes back to setting an example right and so being better leaders trying to be a little bit more generous she but it, it requires this we the what cannot happen is for that 
semi-apology, which essentially makes it not an apology, that she put forth to be sufficient for things to just march merrily forward. She owes Dennis Carpenter an apology. I think she probably, you know, the consultant tried to laugh it off. And I'm sure upon a little reflection, he knows that what was said was just not great at all. And, and she owes the community apology because she, she has brought, for what it's worth, she has brought embarrassment, further embarrassment. If they thought they were embarrassed by the, the allegations of that there may be racist things happening in the district, well, you know, she just launched one right off the top of the dais. So she has brought embarrassment upon the community. She has highlighted the very problem that she has spent a significant amount of time recently attempting to say really doesn't exist. And she needs to take and make amends. It will be interesting to me um, to to see further reaction from from the community. And and Jason, you and I have talked about this, and it's one of the reasons why we're trying to 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 force ourselves to pay better attention to things that happen at the at the school board level. So it doesn't get the kind of attention that other things do. But we have seen other elected officials in recent years, Jason, do things. That put our community in a bad light. That do not represent the people that they were elected to represent. And some of that public reaction has led to a removal from office. So I am curious to see what reaction will be like. I, I don't know. I don't know if people will call for for you know for her to be removed. I don't know if people will call for her to resign. I'm I know e- you have. I'm not. But, even- but what I wonder is. And this goes back to, you know, when we talk about elections, we, we talk about how many people show up to vote. So what I wonder is, are people paying attention and how are they going to react? Because what was said was wrong. Absolutely. And, and, and I, I'll be clear. I still think she should resign. At the end of the day, even if she comes out and gives a full functional apology and and exhibits a a true understanding of the harm that was caused and and can state why I think in the end it may be in the district's best interest for her to step away to allow for other leadership of this board to come into place. That being said, I think you're right. And and I will say this, I listened very carefully over the course of the weekend. We watched any articles, any real conversations that were going on in any kind of a public way for someone to call for the resignation, and there has been none. Um, people, I think, uniformly understand that what she said was wrong um, and and needs to have some sort of a repercussion. There has to be a consequence to doing that. And, you know, maybe, maybe, if we're lucky, this can be a catalytic point that allows us to come together to say, look, Here's the example. This is how bad it can go, even though maybe in her heart of hearts, she's not hating anybody. But this is where it ends up, right? At some point, somebody sticks their foot in their mouth in the worst possible way, in a public way, and the whole community suffers as a result. I'm going to wrap things up, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap it up with, with a, some comments about empathy. And... I think that these are comments that could probably be used for all manner of 
social and political discussions that we have around the country, but we like to keep things local here, Jason. So I'm going to keep it just about this one topic, but this is a big, this is a big topic. Uh, the consultant was, was asked some questions and one of his responses was he talked about, he said, one of the greatest gifts that we've had from professional development is learning to be vulnerable. And he followed that up with a quote, and I'm sorry, I, I, I didn't write down who he was quoting or the exact quote, but basically it was this, vulnerability is the birth of empathy. And then he added, and man, we need to ratchet up the empathy. And this to me is everything, Jason. We have got to allow ourselves, give ourselves permission to understand what the other person in the discussion feels and to understand that that is valid, that their experience and their perspective are real to them. And that is the only way that we can actually have a conversation and we can actually get to a point where we might move forward because we've talked about equity and we've talked about these gaps and closing them, but we haven't done a thing. And mainly because we've sat around talking about reasons not to. Because your perspective is not valid, but mine is. And so I hope that as a community, as a people, we are paying attention to all of this because this is just as important as what happens at city council, which which it's funny to me that we say that that's the one that gets all the attention, which when again, you know, we're happy when 14% show up to vote. But I hope people are paying attention. And I hope that people are saying something to Julie Doan, whether in support or opposition, I hope they are giving feedback. I hope they're giving feedback to Mike Allen, to Judy Hedrick, to Kim Fritchie, to Ryan Murdoch, to Dennis Smith, to all of them. Give feedback so that an actual discussion, an actual vote to do something to move forward happens. You know, I got nothing else to add to that because I'm still just really mad <laughs> in the end. Well, guys, thank you for um, tuning in and listening. Um, I hope, um, you know, that we can we can spark some of this conversation. And I hope that the school board can uh, move forward in a productive way starting, I guess, just this evening um, as as this will be published. So uh, with that, please, uh, please tune in later this week. And what do we got? What do we got? We got, we got we got we got one note. One note. One, one note. Uh, it's Jason's anniversary next week. He's leaving town. So we're going to take a week off. You, you get a break, Jason. We're letting the tension build for the fourth. But we're going to use that time to to work on things so that when we, we go live on, on Tuesday the fourth, we're ready. And I assume, Jason, this topic's not going to be done. I'm sure some things will happen, but this topic is not going to be done. And so I want I want I want to again say, look, if there's things you want to make sure we talk about, if there's questions you have that maybe we should go dig for some answers, let us know. Hit us up at Twitter. It's at Ellis Town Hall. Go to Link to Lee Summit on the Facebooks. Email me, Nick at LinkToLeeSummit.com because we want we want to facilitate these conversations. These are the things we should be talking about. Absolutely, and and I hope that uh, I hope that we we got a fair, a fair bit of feedback the last time uh, we went live. I think this one may even may even come with a little bit more because you're right. This topic is out there, and I know that uh, 
that John and I come at this from somewhat different perspectives. So it should be a lively, lively conversation. The the, the three of us all come come from a little different angle on on a lot of these things. So I I think you're going to hear a lot of different perspectives, which is good. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right. Well, we will talk to everyone on Friday, and then we're taking a week off, and we'll be back. Today's episode of Lee Summit Town Hall is brought to you by Shred KC. Jason, I'm not going to talk about me this time. It's, it's going to be uh, a little weird. Be painful. Yeah, I'm not going to talk about me this time. Here's what I am going to talk about. Coming up, starting June 17th, they've got another big challenge coming up. It's the 60-day team challenge. So you sign up. They stack the teams. You don't have to worry about forming your own team. They're going to do it anyway. There'll be a max of two males per team. And the team will work together to motivate each other, to encourage each other, inspire each other, to reach all of those fitness goals. I think this is really cool. I really like, Jason, what they do, all these different ways to keep people motivated and to change lifestyles. That's the point. I know. they And they like it's like this inherent niceness with one another, which is a, a nice bit to have. Uh, given what we've been talking about recently, well, you get uh, you get unlimited classes for those sixty days. So there's like twenty five different options a week. You get workshops, two not one but two three D body scans, which to me sounds like a, like some sort of horrible piece of ob- objective self reality that I don't want. But I understand what yeah, you, it, you it's, it's the scariest part of everything. Yes, uh, you get a trainer or a coach for your team. You get all kinds of tools to work together, even though these people you weren't necessarily there. There's challenges. If you reach your goal, you get part of your feedback. Um, and are you ready? The big prize? The big prize. What is it, Jason? What the, is it? The top team gets to go to Vegas, baby. Vegas, baby. So. Hey, look, this is a lot of fun. You get unlimited classes. The meal plans change every week. Your menu changes every week. So this is cool. You, if you're ready, if you want another way to stay motivated and to to get to your, I know it's hard. Dreams. It's hard to fitness on your own. You really do. It's it's better if you have like a buddy or somebody to help you with squat up, baby. Yep. So go to shred. Hit sixty dayteamshred.com. That's the one. Tell them Jason and Nick sent you. <laughs>